Welcome to the podcast, You're Having Tea with Alice. I'm so sorry I didn't put this out on Thursday. I have had an incredibly hectic week at the comedy festival and also some things going on back at a home in Sydney that have been scrambling my brains. But I am very pleased to bring you this podcast, which is a special podcast with two of my favourite comedians, At the festival, Sarah Jones, whose uh, show with Nicholas J. Johnson has just been nominated for a Golden Gibbo, which is the Independent Artists Award, and Laura Davis, who's brilliant, brilliant, brilliant comedian who I love a lot, and I think she's been nominated for a number of things, but I am not sure. Um, Look them both up online, see if they're in a city near you. We had a really interesting conversation. It is, uh, of course, comedy heavy because we are at the fourth week of the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. So we know nothing else at the moment in life other than comedy and our experiences in that. I hope you enjoy listening to this conversation. I really enjoyed having it. We had delicious tea and then we went to a watermelon party, which is exactly what it sounds like. Uh, I may put out a bonus episode this week as a form of apology if I can get my timing together because I've been recording a few with comedians that I like here there's great access to good comedians so without further ado i open you this present tea with alice laura davis and sarah john okay um would you like to introduce yourself uh yes hello um i'm sarah jones uh i am a comedian and ventriloquist i live in melbourne i have a cat and I'm going to stop introducing myself because I don't know what I don't know when to stop adding things to that list. Well, surely you're a multifaceted person. I guess. I guess. You're not defined purely by your ventriloquism and, and your my cat. Cat. Well, that is a huge part of my life. Both those things. There is very little life outside comedy. And Comedy, going back and to my so that house with my cat. Are you a full time comedian? Yeah. Good. And do you think that the ventriloquism helps you with that? Oh, definitely, for sure. I um, I I sort of started off doing ventriloquism. I like, I I was a kids entertainer for a long time, and I learned ventriloquism, and I tried that out, and I noticed that adults seemed to be really into it whenever I pulled out a puppet and did ventriloquism. I guess because it's the sort of thing that um, uh, a lot of people under the sort of age of seventy or sixty don't really have that much first-hand experience with some of the older yeah some of the older generations um or i guess baby boomers might remember it from when they were kids seeing it on tv with shari lewis and people like that is Um, it a generally a male-dominated industry like oh super super male-dominated yeah and that gives you a niche yeah um i think being a ventriloquist itself gives you a bit of a niche I, i certainly get booked for jobs with people who haven't even seen anything that I've done I've just been like oh yeah ventriloquist yeah fine and book me and like the same with Adelaide Fringe um, I, I've done two shows there and people seem to just turn up because I'm a ventriloquist and they know what they have some idea of what that might be mm. and I did a sketch comedy show this year with uh, my friend Nick and, um, and I've just really f- I found how spoiled I was by having such a niche skill when you're peddling a sketch comedy show that with, with hundreds of other sketch comedy shows that has nothing that will clearly define what it's going to be like. Yeah, because as for as many people who would not want ventriloquism because they have an idea of what it is, there are other people who have another idea of what it is who would want yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. That's interesting um, because I am 
I'm not a very competitive person. I like winning, but yeah. I don't like competing. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> um, so what I've done with my comedy is I've tried to make enough of a niche that people yeah. don't directly compare me to other people, and I'm just what I am. Yeah. And that I, is one of the hard things about being a ventriloquist. I get compared to Nina Conti a lot because she, we're you're both the only. Female, she's the only. And I find one. that really annoying. Yeah. Like I've had. Um, when I was working in the UK, I had some some guy who books a just a tiny little room say, um, "Oh, you're a ventriloquist. We already have a female ventriloquist here." I'm like, "Yeah, that's fine, dude. And you have like a million male comedians. You can have two female ventriloquists. Yeah, the world isn't going to implode." It's interesting when when there are more than three women on a bill, that tends to be an issue. An issue. Yeah. Uh, except in some rooms, there are some rooms where it's just never mentioned. Yeah, that's the best. I mean, I've I've done. Um... And it seems to be done without effort, but it always comes out about fifty fifty. Um, Justin Hamilton's room, the shelf, mm-hmm. is one of those, and it's never made an issue of. He's never mentioned it to me. That it's not a policy. It doesn't seem to be affirmative action. He just has a lot of female friends yeah. who are comedians. No, he has a lot of friends who are comedians, and yeah. and some of them are women. Well, it means it, it's intimidating in a way because you're so used to things being a particular way. You're so used to not having to compete on that spectrum even. Mm, that's true. All you have to do is be good, right? And then you have uh, undercut anyone who's come in with an attitude of, oh, well, women aren't funny. Yeah. If people come in with an attitude... So you kind of that's an easy hurdle to jump. Easy yeah. enough. Yeah. You know, if people don't think women are funny, you can prove that wrong by being funny. If people don't have that attitude, and you are, as I was with the shelf last week, uh, slotted in between Claire Hooper and Hannah Gadsby. Oh, sure. You're yeah. like, oh, now I actually have to compete. <laughs> like, this is, this is fucked. This is so stressful. Which is probably bad of me. Like, there's bad gender politics on my behalf. Suit to be comparing yourself to them. Well, I think it leads... The scarcity of women in whatever... Whatever it is, like, boardroom jobs or comedy or whatever can lead to a kind of a defensiveness because absolutely yeah your position is so hard won yeah and it feels like it's so precarious and you do get ground down by by the negative attitudes it's really hard you know when you have you know i have all the time uh particularly i do a lot of work on cruise ships which is quite a broad crowd that don't necessarily go out and see much comedy Mm. you know festival audiences are is it usually a bit different Mm. they're usually people that are going out and seeing comedy quite a lot and they're usually um maybe a a little more aligned with my values already whereas um on cruise ships and stuff i get a lot of i get a lot of women particularly older women coming up and saying now i don't usually like female comedians but i liked you and that's i know they mean that as a compliment but that that sort of um uh internalized misogyny is upsetting. Is very depressing, yeah, and it grinds you down a little bit. It does, it does, um, it does. I think the interesting thing is how we internalise it, like, yeah. because I have to make a genuine effort to not feel that way, not feel threatened by other women. Women. I, yeah, I get... I'm, I'm not, I don't care about celebrities at all, but because I'm a, like a massive comedy geek and I'm so obsessed with comedy, I get super starstruck by comedians. Yeah. But not so much by um, male comedians, but by female comedians really badly. Um, just because I compare myself more to them, I think. And, and, I mean, 
Oh, I'm going to say, I'm about to say something really horrible. But, no, this is um, what this is for. Okay, no one's going to hear this, right? No one's um, going to hear this. We have time to explain. Well, like, this is the good thing about this podcast is... Uh, we can we ex- say stuff and then explain. Things that I don't like thinking, I like thinking about. Okay, we're going to unpack this. Um, I feel like a lot of male comedians are pretty happy to have anyone talking to them. Um, <laughs> particularly women. Yeah. Um, and, and female comedians don't have necessarily always have that same desperation um <laughs> sorry i know that's so really, you don't that's feel really sexist you don't feel um, starstruck about going up to male comedians yeah because i know a lot of them um from personal experience are pretty happy to have anyone, anyone. say nice things about them i think there are two different ways to approach there are many different ways to approach somebody who is uh, for want of a better term above you in status yeah and i don't like that yeah and i'm generally not like that anymore I used to be slightly socially awkward because I felt like everyone was above me yeah and then after a while I thought actually no that's kind of that's a disservice everyone feels uncomfortable it is incumbent on you to make other people around you feel comfortable by not showing how uncomfortable you are that's very wise and it's sort of a a positive feedback loop everyone feels much better if you walk into a room and you're like hi and try and put other people at their ease then life is a lot easier but um yeah i think you can there's a certain phenomenon that i've noticed during this festival where somebody who is either a young comedian or a fan will see a group of comedians who they really like and just sort of stand at the edge of the circle and i am painful to see and it's painful to see and it's painful to um be part of that circle yeah and it's painful to be the person waiting outside the circle yeah i for a long time felt like that person and i'm hypersensitive to feeling like that person yeah. if a conversation doesn't include me i might just go away which is yeah. maybe selfish or something i don't yeah, know what that i don't is. know i'm i'm i um my natural instinct with most people is just to presume that they don't like me um yeah. so uh I'll, I'll have a nice conversation with people and be like well oh, that's enough of that they probably um probably don't want to speak to me that much and uh, I'll, I'll naturally tend yeah, to exclude with, myself withdraw yourself yeah um which is a really bad habit and you need to um like i I'm, like a lot of my friendships are, are with people that really pursue a friendship with me quite hard yeah and i have to acknowledge that my aggressive fuckheads as friends yeah my friends are like they're super great because they can put up with my bullshit of just like well i'm gonna um leave the country without telling you guys for a week and um, you might not hear from me and i'm back because i just presume you don't really care yeah Um, and that sort of behavior is um not very good so i yeah i'm props to my friends for sticking with this bullshit um (laughs) i yeah I, i have i have my self-esteem is quite hard one, so I think now that I think that some people like me. But for until I was in my early twenties, I thought I was one of those people who put the hairs up the back of your neck when you shook hands with them. Oh. But yeah, I, I understand that feeling of of being outside the circle, and it's sort of. Um, it's, it comes from a nice place, that, because they don't want to interrupt. They just want to be part included. Of, part of things. They don't yeah. want to push themselves in, the but game. they want to be, you know, they're, well, coming they're probably back to just what we standing there about. thinking, look, 
if I don't take a chance now, if yeah. I don't, you know, I'm never going to see these people again. I've listened to them, you know, yeah. I've seen them on TV since I was 10. Also, or... I think with comedy, um, there's that thing of, uh, and you might have this with, with audience members too, but people, people who see, when you see, when you see really great comedy, it does feel like um, that person is connecting with you. And, yeah. um, and there's an intimacy there. And that's why you have problems with the worst kind of hecklers, the hecklers that feel like they're helping out because they feel like it's a dialogue and it's a conversation and that they're part of it and they're part of the club. And I think that's... Um, that's two, two things I want to respond to. Okay. Well, I just feel like... I, like I, I feel like that with, with my favourite comedians that I just feel like... Um, and this is coming back to what we were saying about the female comedians. I often feel like with, with male comedians, I don't get it as bad. Alice is just eating her tea, by the way, for the listeners listening along at home. The male comedians, I don't have it that bad, but with some female comedians, I just feel like we're just like the same people. We could yeah. be best friends, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it makes me really um, super lame. Yeah. Um, like like there's, a, there's a neediness that is very, very uncool. Um, and so, so I just to avoid liked. talking to them. No, no. Everyone, I think everyone wants to be liked. And then also... Um, I really like connecting with people. Yeah. Um, I like it when people send me emails. Yeah, that's nice. Uh, it's so nice. I've got some really nice emails um, from the show, just people who've... Uh, because my show is about like, a yeah. life change, I guess, and about about ideas of success and failure. And yeah. everyone's had to struggle with yeah. that. How do you define your own success? Um, just people writing these amazing emails or people who've listened to the podcast. I love that so much. I kind of want to put a... I, 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 I print them out like I print yeah. them out and keep them and I kind of want to put up a page or something so that people can come and, and see it or something because it yeah. makes me so happy I really like that that said after a show oh yeah <laughs> I am so tired yeah. and drained that sometimes people coming up to me who I don't know who feel like they know me yeah it's hard it, it, I don't it's almost like you're not sure what they're asking of you because you don't know who they're they are. They're starting off on a different platform than you are, like you said, with them feeling like they know you already. Yeah. It's really... And so I I find it like I'm, I, I don't know what they want from me. I, if they just want to talk to me, that's cool yeah. because then I want to talk to them. If they're interested in me as a person, like as in, oh, I just heard you say this thing, I'd love to talk to you more about that. But sometimes you feel like they want you to perform more for them. Yeah, yeah. Like they just, they expect you to keep going yeah um and that's really quite stressful because you don't want to disappoint them you don't want to be mean you don't want to reject them do you have any weird do you have any weird fans that kind of latch on a bit as well <laughs> that's an, yeah that's i'll talk to you that, that, we'll put <laughs> that we're getting next, we're getting into next more on the agenda more difficult topics but, um, but that but then happens you as well say I the think. worst kind of fans are the nice hecklers the worst kind of hecklers are the nice hecklers are uh, that's probably that's a sweeping yeah, generalization. I would argue that they're the more difficult yeah. kind of heckler to deal with. Yeah, because because it's hard to put that put to, to shut that down. I mean, a really aggressive, mean heckle you can, can be fun and can be kind of playful. It's a combative I mean, thing. Yeah, not that you enjoy that, it. Yeah, but that it's a challenge that you can overcome. And when when you see a comedian like really give a smackdown to a dickhead heckler it's really joyful for the whole audience yeah it's a clear adversarial whereas you know a a, a little sort of slightly drunk maybe slightly slow idiot repeating back a punchline or have chipping in with their opinion is really hard or yeah the kind um i like 
quite often uh, often a lady who says um, quite loudly, oh yeah, that oh, was funny. Uh, oh, we've got a new person again. Uh, joining us for tea. Wait, this Hooray. is Laura Davis. I'm having rose tea. Oh, yeah. Yeah, black tea with rose. Black tea with rose. Yeah, I like that. I like that. <laughs> well, there's lots of snacks and things and tea. I feel that, you know, you are the first uh, female Lees that I've had on the podcast. Female Lees? Female people. Well, female tea super people. sexist. I am super sexist. Yeah, I'm so I always figure uh, I quite like... Is my tea now? Yes. I, fi- I quite like the dynamic of um, a female lead and a male sidekick. Mm. which is kind of what it runs with me and Sean and so when he's not able to do it I've kind of recruited yeah, yeah. another little male sidekick but that is a bit sexist it is very sexist and by having two of you I'm not saying that you're not <coughs> worth as much as a man <laughs> wow wow <laughs> no mind. way you even had to specify that boy <laughs> I boy. would not protest a thing too much I think this is an edit point like <laughs> <laughs> It's fine, it's not fine. It's fine, it's not fun. So we were in the middle of talking about the worst kind of fan. Um, pedestal, when the thing, the little knob is broken, so it just goes <laughs> click, 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 ah, click, click. It's, it's a comedian. This is so funny. She's so funny. We're putting in the hand, yeah, the sweet logs. Hey, I'm just trying to be as funny as a man. <laughs> uh, we're talking about the, the kind of heckler that is really enthusiastic and just says, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's, oh, that's so funny. Oh, that's so true. And you just go, yeah, I don't. <laughs> because in an, advers- an adversarial heckler, it's a fight and you can win it. And there's nothing, no amount of like, shush now, is nothing you say is going to be nice <laughs> in that con- context. Like, like, okay, but let's enjoy it quietly. Like, you can't say, you just come across as patronizing. Mean. Yeah. Super mean. It's awful. It's awful. And then the other thing we were talking about was um, people who are too keen to talk after a gig. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's probably where I start to draw. I don't mind someone's like, yeah, that's great, because I like to just go, thank you, every <laughs> single time they say thank you. Well, I like to find out about them, which is good, because I want to know who's, who's coming, to coming to my yeah, show. Yeah, that's your demographic. Yeah, yeah, and why they came to my Lonely show. What, what What bizarre reason would make them think that I was worth coming in and that's always cool and especially if they say that someone else told them to come yeah. or if they listen to the podcast that's really cool but um i don't like it when they're kind of like eh jokes eh <laughs> i was like i just gave you an hour of jokes enough <laughs> no more jokes i get a lot of people waiting after my shows and it's because you're very vulnerable i'm just so vulnerable but i'm <laughs> I'm, I'm way too grumpy <laughs> To deal with that after a show, that people come out and go, oh hey, you're so vulnerable. I'm ready to to help should we you. Hug? Yeah. We should hug and maybe we could get dinner. And uh, and I don't trust those people because they've seen a vulnerable person, and I'm not really as part of a persona, but it's not. But it is. It's <laughs> not. But then off stage, I just see them as kind of coming in while I'm weak. I don't yeah. trust them. Yeah, like um. Well, sometimes they might not be, but sometimes they I'm might sure be. I'm sure some of them are nice, but... It's like people who are um, in HR, or people who are, who are policemen, or people who are um, nurses. Mm. Like, half of them are the nicest people in the world who just want to help, 
And then the other half are people who enjoy having power over weak people. Like that's, I think that's sort of the thing, really. Yeah. But have you ever had like a really seriously, uncomfortably intense person really be in love with you? Um, From your comedy alone? Loads, but not from comedy. Bam. Um... No, thanks. I apologise for doing that. Do you we'll get any like weird? Um, <laughs> no, we won't. We're uh, leaving that in. You are condemned out of your own mouth. Yeah, you can't yeah. let it out. You guys didn't see the guns. finger guns. Yeah, they, uh, they were sweet. Um, oh, I love finger guns uh, so much. I love I've, finger. The guns. more tired I get during comedy comedy festival, the more finger guns I'm doing and winks, random winking at people. Don't yeah. know why. Can't seem to stop it. No, it's just it's not. Weird. It's not. It's not helping anything. No one. No one in that exchange is happy or comfortable. I like it. I like doing like aggressively masculine gestures sometimes. Just, yeah. Just to redress the balance. Yeah. yeah. Or calling guys like maybe I'll macho guys being like, oh, it's so cute. Yeah. Like okay. It. Maybe I'll maybe I'll um take a bit more pride in it as a yeah. as a part of a feminist movement someone's like i was at the gym and i bench pressed 150 kilos You're like oh that's so oh, cute that's sweet bench Aww. press my dick <laughs> yeah that's what we need to do that's that's the only way yeah. <laughs> just just make um just make women as bad as the worst men mm. and then we'll be fine then um there won't be any real problems with sex. look at you what a man you are what a big man <laughs> That's so mean. What were we talking about? Uh, we're talking about love. aggressive fans. Oh, People love. who love us too much. <laughs> Wouldn't know. Um, yeah, occasionally I get um, fans who are who seem into... Like I got bought... Like I had a guy bring flowers to a show I did. Um, mm. I love that. Nice, but also weird. Flowers um, is good. Yeah. They are good in theory. And then you get them and you're standing in the middle of an awkward exchange and you don't know what to do and you run what about if people leave flowers anonymously what are you like creepers are us that's creepy (laughs) someone left me flowers i thought it was nice did you yeah where did they 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 left it at the box office for me i thought that was really sweet i guess i gave it to the box office ladies but it was really sweet i guess it's sweet yeah to be fair my show does have a whole bit about how i like flowers Yeah. yeah that's true as symbols of death yeah Maybe I should stop putting things in my show about liking millions of dollars. <laughs> I'm just doing disgusting things. I don't things think that I too. trust them. I don't think I trust what, flowers. Sinister yeah, flowers. I don't trust them. No, somebody who. And there's a difference. You can see the difference palpably in them. But the people who get too attached to a person on stage. Yeah. I don't trust them because what they want out of that, why they're doing that, is because. They don't have to find out anything about you. They it's feel very like safe. It's a very yeah. safe way. They, and they, they get like all the information up front. But the information isn't necessarily... Exactly. Well, it's not going to be correct. You're not going to be the same person you are And they have... Uh, not from my perspective, from, from their perspective, they have the upper hand in this situation of kind of going, oh, I know you. And, and, yeah, and I've and not had to make myself vulnerable to get that information yeah, exactly. about you. Yeah. We exactly. haven't had to have a conversation where I've learned these things about you by virtue of my charm or ability or... You know, yeah, or sharing my things. It's just, yeah, it's too one-sided. There's no. Yeah, they have a level of intimacy with you that you yeah. don't share with them. Yeah. Yeah, which is why I like it when people will send like a, a an email or something telling you about themselves and the reaction that they had to your show. You know, like I like that a lot because then you yes. then they're giving something to you in return. Uh, for what you've given yeah, them. Yeah, that's true. Other yeah. than obviously, other than money. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it was uh, yesterday. I there was a little present, and 
card left backstage for me and just before my show I was like oh present and I didn't know who it was from I presumed it was from one of the venue staff or something like this and but I also didn't know and I opened it up and there was a card and I opened the card and the card was just completely covered in writing just oh. just like exactly <laughs> and the bolt of fear that went through my body when I looked at that it was and I, I can't I went, oh, oh god it's too much this is an essay uh, this has meant something to somebody when I thought it was just going to be like, oh, here's some good chocolates, show, good show. Yeah. And it turned out it was just from my sound tech from two weeks ago. She'd come to the new venue to give me some beautiful little present. But the fact that I opened up the card and had a moment of panic that it was somebody, some admirer writing out an essay of... Yeah. <laughs> and it must suck to be proper famous and get real stalkers. Yeah, even something low level like that is pretty creepy. I and guess you just you have a big well, house with thing. a security gate. Because yeah. it is a really nice thing. And then sometimes it's not. And that's a really hard thing because it's something that you want. You want to affect people. You want to influence people. You want people to like you. You want people to you know, follow you and be interested in you and make an effort to find out what you're doing next. And then there's a point at which that becomes not cool. Yeah, and that's a really it's hard to set line. up those boundaries. Like I, I find like you get added on Facebook by yeah. people who've seen After your shows, every and, that's, show. and that's and that's really hard. Like uh, I, I, I always I don't, direct them to my fan. Page yeah, that's what I do too. But then I always feel like that I'm being a dick by doing that. I don't have um, a fan page. I, I sort of. I only have, I have it no to, division, which I probably should have a division. Mm. I really only use it so that I have an excuse to not be friends with the people. <laughs> Go, hey, it's over there. It's like a lizard dropping its tail. That's, <laughs> that's all it is. Uh, do you do anything on it? Do you update it? Or barely, barely, barely. Twitter a little bit more. But. So why do you think you get such a fight or flight reaction to this? Um, to what in this instance because turned I'm out to be a really love. Friendly, <laughs> no, what turned out to be a, a really friendly thing from your tech. When you saw it, you had this fight or flight reaction. Yes. What do you think that is? Uh, is it that you're afraid of love? That's a very, that's a flippant way to put it. Give me another lolly. Um, <laughs> um, no, I, I'm afraid of a person who writes an essay waiting outside on the other side of the wall for me to open a present. I'm afraid of that person. I because a, what's the next step of that fear? Because uh, it's not letters that you're afraid of. It's not presents no, it's that you're possessive. afraid of. Possessive. Possessiveness. Possessive. Mm. I don't want to... Yeah, I feel bought and commoditized, and people go, "Ah, oh, I, I love your onstage persona. It's my favorite. I want to keep it." Yeah. And go, it's, it's me, but it's not me." And because it is me, and it is a product, I think I'm deeply uncomfortable with the fact that I am a product. Yeah. yeah. So it is. That's it. That's it. That's a really interesting way to put it. We got it. Right? We got there. <laughs> no, more lolly. Because we are, um, we are putting ourselves out there as a product. We are making ourselves uh, vulnerable to this kind of. I just sell my personality. Yeah, and then because that's a really intense thing to do, <laughs> it's a really intense it thing is. to put yourself out there to talk about like the really hard, deep truths about yourself. And your view of the world and try and articulate it really clearly and beautifully and funnily in a way that other people engage with but you're pushing yourself right to the outer limits of what you're you are comfortable with and slightly beyond them yeah and so then 
if somebody tries to even slightly push that line, it can come across as really intense. Mm. Like, and it shouldn't because, I mean, in some ways, ugh, it's not the asking for it thing, but it does walk that line of like, yeah. but you've put yourself out there. You've asked me to engage but I with don't, you. I don't want anybody to, to feel entitled to me at that outer limit. I don't... When I come out of myself and I'm talking to a crowd and I'm very comfortable, that's what I want to be doing. But I don't want anybody to, to feel entitled to have that on tap, on call, whenever they want, because it's my choice. I have to get out there. Well, so this is the interesting thing then, it sort of uh, is an analogous to the sexy thing. Like women who are walking around dressed sexy, they put themselves out there and they probably have put themselves out to the outer limit of their comfort. They want to, they've made themselves feel as vulnerable as they can feel in order to feel sexy, right? So they're right out there, they're wearing as few clothes as they feel comfortable with that, that make them feel good about themselves. But then if someone comes in and tries to push that line and objectify them more than they've objectified themselves, that's super offensive. Yeah. Is that a, an effective analogy or not? Because it, that's why, like, that's the whole mm. thing where, that's the argument where people are like, well, you've put yourself out there, you're yeah. dressed sexy, you're dressed slutty, so you're, like, how do you expect to be treated? You go, well, <laughs> as sexy as I've as you want to. put myself out to be. I think also you, um, sometimes the, the sort of fans that really latch on are people that are already, like, maybe a little disenfranchised somehow, a little lonely, um, and who might find it hard to connect with people on a social level and which then is suddenly, why that's attractive yeah they, they suddenly they get this which they don't know, normally have yes. and they feel like wow this is a real connection I'm, I'm having with someone I'm not used to this it's feeling. a and drink they wanna, don't fall for it I'm sorry <laughs> yeah My, that's why I feel like quite guilty about some, yeah, some of the interactions you have guilty. with people who are I feel like I've tricked them. I feel yeah. like I'm... Don't be slut-shamed. <laughs> no, but I do. I feel like I've... This is not your fault. <laughs> I've, I've been like, oh, hey, here's my psyche, 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 psyche dance. And then, oh, no, you don't get any psyche. <laughs> no. Hello. My favourite thing to do... So you do sexy in a club psyche you told the guy not to touch your ass. Uh, basically. Yeah. I like to introduce myself when I meet them. and Because they're like, oh, hey, Laura, how are you, Laura? And go, hi... Hi, I'm Laura. What's what's your name? And we start from ground zero. And they go, oh, okay. I I like to properly meet people afterwards. I know that you know my name's on the poster, and I just yelled at you for an hour. But hi, I'm Laura. That's a really good strategy. I am this this calm person talking to you right now, not yelling about Mm -hmm. her insecurities. This is (laughs) me. Okay, that's the product. This is me. Nice to meet you. Non-product. Yeah, it's that's an interesting one. You see the the light die in their faces, but it's it's much safer. Well, it's good to have that line. I think it's good to have whatever it is that makes you feel comfortable and is a clear point of communication. Um, for me, uh, sometimes it's just having a stage outfit. Yeah, like having clothes that I wear on stage and then I wear something else off stage. Yeah, which makes it more costumey. Um, but that can help because then, like, I go backstage and then I change and then I'm in my boots and my tough jacket and I look not like that person who just... Mm. Like, in my show at the moment, I stripped down from my corporate gear to quite a vulnerable outfit. Um, 
and then I, if I go and put on my jeans and my boots, then you mm. again. But there is time after my show where I'm still in costume, where I'm talking to people, and yeah. I should say it's not always bad when, we, when you talk to people after shows. No, of sometimes course. it's awesome. No, I love it. Most of the time, yeah. it's awesome. Even the ones that are uncomfortable, there's not. It's done not yeah. anything wrong. No, no, no. I think the problem is that you. I think the problem is that you remember the ones that were awful. Yeah. And that shouldn't be the case, but I think it's an evolutionary thing that we remember negative experiences yeah, because you yourself. remembering positive experiences is not an evolutionary benefit, yeah. really. Not in the same way. Like, oh, there's someone, who, I don't know, who has a great joke about why doesn't anyone get, ever get post-traumatic, like, joy disorder? <laughs> like, you get these, you can have one second or five <laughs> minutes of stressful experience that screws you for life. Yeah, but you don't have a repeat But you never, like, things. I once saw a rainbow and I, like, just... <laughs> yeah. I think that's a really interesting way to put it because you don't. Of the people who are creepy, of the hundreds of people who have seen my shows mm. and tens and tens of people who've seen my shows and enjoyed them and liked them and said nice things and shaken my hand and looked me in the eye and said that was great I had that experience or I understand that thing or what you said really moved me I remember the ones who came in and put their hand on my hip and tried yeah. to kiss me a little too close to my mouth yeah I think you know maybe you know coming from this as a, as a woman as well <clears throat> like Every adult woman has had a fucking lifetime of creepy experiences of douchebags pushing the envelope too far. So you kind of already have that history as well, mm, which, which doesn't help. When it doesn't necessarily int- happen for guys. I think for guys, yeah. it's a joy of novelty for a while. I started when I was 19 and for the first few years, I'm, I'm a lot... Um, I'm a grown-up, that's why, but uh, it's not angry, but I'm quite stern on stage and I'm quite a, I've got a high status persona in a lot of ways now, but for the first few years I did one-liners and I was pretty pretty sweet. <laughs> I don't know if you can believe it, but I was, and I used to get rubbed on the belly after oh my God. every gig. It was like this on weird... On the belly? It was, so, it was this weird phenomenon. That is And nobody mental. would believe me, and so I'd make them stand outside the gig... As I, like, say goodbye to the crowd or just milled around downstairs and people would come up, put, like, in one hand on my shoulder, one hand on my belly and, like, rub my stomach. Like you were a cat? Like you were pregnant? Yeah, like I was like pregnant, pregnant or like cat. I was... I don't know, but we'd be like, oh, hey, that was good. And, like, one hand on my shoulder, one hand on my stomach without fail. That is... That's a, not everybody, but it would happen once or twice. That's a crazy power move, touching someone on the stomach. Like, that it's is... That's full on. That's right in that's the vulnerable. Like, yeah, that's like rubbing someone on the face. It's yeah, um, kind of very like intimate. Shoulders... Fine. Knee, like, even, is a bit creepy, but... Like, knee yeah. is a bit intimate, but it, it's within the bounds of acceptable. No, it's, it's almost parental of kind of like, oh, hey... Yeah. And just little... little As you say, very possessive. Why? So possessive. That's I think so I have a complex. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's... Oh, God. How did and I didn't know I had one until we had this tape. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. In the How did you respond to that? Um, once I realised how much it was happening, I used to kind of just keep people at it. Skirt away. Oh, yeah. Like spikes on my tummy. <laughs> one thing that you can do, and that's, it was my way Poison? out of it. <laughs> No, no, no. Velcro. You just look. All you do, you put your hand on my stomach. 
just look at the hand. Just look <laughs> at the hand. And then they go, oh, shit. And they, wherever the hand is, wherever it is, if you just look at the hand and look at them and look at it, just yeah. like you were quite surprised that yeah. there was one on your stomach, which you are just... Why would you do that? Yeah. Why is it? Oh, there is a hand on your stomach. <laughs> Get I, rid of it. I learned a really good bit of body language from my dad, who's an amazing kind of alpha male. He was, you know, his dad died when he was seven, so he was the oldest one in the family. He was the, you know, dad figure, Patriarch. I guess. And then he started a business and ran his own business for 23 years, and now he's the head of a, you know, a university centre, like a media and communications law centre. So he's always been at the top. And he just knows it with his whole body. But also he was very young when he started, so he had to kind of front a bit. So his whole body language is just super top dog. And if somebody ever offends him, he sort of pulls his head back like a, like a startled horse or something. And it's so effective when somebody's being... Yeah, you just sort of... Yeah, you just sort of jerk your, <laughs> your head back, put your chin up, and it's almost like you're dodging something or, you know, someone's... Aiming it's making you taller you. as well. Yeah, it's making you taller, it's making you bigger. And it's not like you're cringing away. You're going up. You're it's, it is the reflexes up. of a man that's spoiling for a fight, though. Yeah, exactly. Like you, but you do a lot of that. get decked. I beg your pardon. That moment of just, like, surprise. Yeah. As you say, the surprise of looking at their hand on you or whatever it is. The moment of think, surprise yeah, just shows... It just deflates entitlement immensely. Entitlement. Ah, I, you, you just did 10 minutes on stage. I, I can, can put my you. touch of stuff. No! You're <laughs> not allowed to touch. I can't do it. So you said you've had creepy, uncomfortable people? Um, yeah, yeah, a bit. Like, I think we all have. I, when I, what do we, what, why do we make some rules? Some rules for how to interact. Yeah. I, I need some of these of my own because we, I, as we discussed earlier in the show before Laura came along, I am terrible at talking to comedians that I like. I, yeah. was, I, I said on Facebook the other day I should start up a, I was gonna, I'm going to start up a support group for comedians who've talked to their favourite comedians and need a safe space to just cringe about that interaction. What did you do? Um, oh, whenever I speak to a comedian that I really like, I'm a lot better now because I've only been doing comedy for a few years so um, I'm still <laughs> giddy with excitement. Um, I'm full of joy. You haven't died inside. No, yet. <laughs> oh, I, I did. That's why I started comedy. But um, that's separate. Uh, so, so, so whenever I, when, previously, whenever I talked to a comedian, I really I just talk to them and then talk to them a bit more, and their eyes sort of go dead, and uh, my soul floats up above my body and can see myself going, going, what are you doing, buddy? Why are you still talking? Maybe stop talking now, uh, but I don't. And then um, I just... I do the opposite. <laughs> I see them in a group of uh, people who I know. Yeah. And I'll go up to the person that I know in the group and be like, hey, and just completely ignore the person <laughs> that I'm really, like, I really, because I'm like, and then I'll be like, hi, and then leave because I can't engage with them. That's what I do now because I know I can't be trusted now. Now I'm not allowed to talk to... Now I mostly totally, totally avoid any the comedians I super love. I just totally avoid them at any cost. Even when my friends are like, oh, I'm talking to so-and-so, come over and talk to us. I'm like, no, I can't. I know that's not for me. Nothing good will come of that. Don't let me do that. Never let me do that. It depends on how egotistical I'm feeling, I think. If I'm like, you're a good person, someone would like to talk to you. But I never have that feeling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, yeah. So I think I'm fine with it. I think I can. But you're all sort of Laura. I think I'm, I'm pretty comfy. Um, Talk to whoever. Well, I just assume that we've already got one thing in common. And if I like their work, that says something about me that they'll probably... That will probably be a similar type of person. Yeah. yeah. At least on, yeah. in very vague terms. I think I just worry that I'm going to be the creepy flower-leaving long card writing story. <clears throat> that long card scared me. <laughs> See, that I would prefer the long card to the belly touch. Oh, yeah. Well, the we belly touch would. is not allowed yeah. anymore. The belly touch is way out of order. Mm. Wow, I can't believe that. That's um, No, it was until I was about shit. 22. And then it started... Once my persona got a bit stronger on stage, people got too scared to run my stomach so you're probably you've been doing straight stand-up the longest of all of us uh six and a half years yeah so i've been doing comedy longer but stand-up i've only been doing for about three years um you missed out on some sweet belly rubs oh, I, know. <laughs> I was doing sketch comedy where people protect you from belly rubs Ugh. yeah you got a whole troop but, but i must team. say it's, it's nice working though when i was doing improv I was backstage warming up and I was doing a handstand yeah. against a wall and a guy came up and like scritched my belly like to a like stranger. My, yeah, no, uh, uh, an acquaintance, uh, another okay. another comedian, uh, just went in and like started touching my stomach, uh, under my t-shirt, like wow. on my bare skin, and I folded like an accordion because I was just startled and I knocked him out. <laughs> Good girl. <laughs> I didn't mean nice to, one. but I wasn't sorry. I wasn't sorry at all. <laughs> Who I was talking to last night? Oh, I was talking to Chaz Lichardello about hecklers in Perth and how Perth heckles a lot. <clears throat> and you're always in these big beer barn pubs, like these huge pubs, and there's always quite a lot of drunk people. And I was saying to him that I think a huge amount of my persona on stage comes with dealing with hecklers sort of combative and yeah preemptively shutting them down just showing them that they're not going to have a chance yeah and and dealing with them off stage as well so people don't heckle so much here in their smaller places but all of my crowd interaction and all of my authority on stage comes from six and a half years of having someone heckle every gig and learning how to deal with it that way and then without the hecklers it's kind of this nice uh, high status yet, mm. yet interactive. High yeah, status. So that's interesting. Yeah, because I'm not afraid of, and I'll experiment more with that because I'm not afraid because somebody's yeah. gone and tried to touch me with their erect penis on stage once before, and so wow. if anybody does less than that, that's the bar. You can handle it. Well, yeah, and and that I'm is still... not a challenge for our listener. <laughs> no, but, but I've had people like horrible threats coming out of the crowd I've had horrible chanting like every everything again she tits out gay she tits out gay she tits out to just to just fucking I'll fucking wait for you after the fucking gig fucking rape you in the fucking okay I had a guy switch over everything. from threatening to rape me to saying he didn't want to rape me like it was a worse <laughs> oh, thing oh no <laughs> and then he said well I wouldn't 
even if you wanted me to. And I was like, oh, oh I'm sorry, Alan. I'm so disappointed. Wow. Oh, it's so cute that <laughs> he doesn't even away. know how rape works either. He's like, I wouldn't even if you want. That's not how rape works. <laughs> You're an idiot. <laughs> You're a dumb rapist. <laughs> You're really bad. <laughs> must be our primary goal when I'm on stage I am my my jokes are secondary and my insights into the world that I want to communicate through the vehicle of jokes they're secondary to standing at an angle where you can see both my boobs and my ass at the same time (laughs) like a comic book heroine yeah Mm. like if we wanted to be sexy this comedy is not what you'd choose to do no surely you'd choose actual (laughs) stripping rather than like psyche psyche stripping (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so that's what's is that the worst tackle you've had? The man coming on stage and offering you his penis? Um, well, <laughs> I say offering you as though it were quite a pleasant. Well, he tried to touch me with it. Um, <laughs> that sounds really awkward. Was he, who was well, I was on a stage and I'm small, and so he's big, and so off stage he's still at a good height. Oh, so it was off stage. I was on stage, he was off stage, oh, okay. but he was big enough that, and the stage wasn't very high, so... Was he with people? He had a couple of friends. That is difficult to carry off with grace, though. Leading with the hips is not well, a Well, we were at a weird industrial pub, um, and I was 20, and... And I think there was like 12 people there or something like that, and there were strippers in the next room on the other side of the curtain, so maybe he got confused, but... I had to. You're cons- not allowed to touch strippers with your penis no. either. I'm I sorry. But he was clearly confused about something. But I just yeah stopped the gig and swore at him, and his friends took him away, and it's, he it's, just thought it was hilarious. The friendship thing is weird. Like I, I his can't imagine being friends with people and being like, oh yeah, my mate there has just got an erection that he's about to rub on a stranger. That's fine. No, no, no. She didn't say rub. She said put. She had to just touch me with it. Just touch it. Like, Why? It was, Why is that a sign of... It's not I, can, I don't remember. I didn't, like, I didn't look at it enough. It was out. It may not have been erect. It was grey. And I, it was grey? It was grey. Oh, it was boy. a horrible colour. Yeah, yeah. We go, oh. a lot of problems going on. <laughs> and I remember because eye contact was my first Maybe he just... Maybe he was really sick and he just wanted you to take a look. Like, help me, it's great. Take a look. No. Maybe eye contact. Doctor rather than eye contact stripper. was my first mode of defense was to look him in the eyes. And he's so far gone. He was just a zombie. And you go, no, no. Don't do that. Go away. Eye no. contact is a really good form of defense, I think. Yeah. I've had some nights where... And it's something I, I quite... I quite am interested in where I'll do a gig. It happened in Perth a lot and... And you would do like more than one gig in one night. And so I would get off stage at one club, wave goodbye, and I'd go straight down the stairs and onto the street. And the amount of people that would approach me... Yeah, on the street. But just after the gig. And I think it's because I'm still out. Like my body, I'm still on stage, off... Yeah. When I'm walking, I still have that energy. You're still adrenalised. And people are kind of like, oh, this person is putting out like talk to me kind of body language or whatever it is and but then they'll come up and they'll grab onto me yeah like uh, like, uh homeless people or just weird men on the street will grab me and then they get the shock of their lives because <laughs> i'm still i'm not it's not a character but i'm still yeah i'm still adrenalized from on stage yeah, and i'm still i'm still up and i go yeah. hello i do not want to talk to you i don't want you to touch me are you having a good night thank you let go do you yeah. need anything? Okay, you can have five dollars. 
I'm going to, yeah, <laughs> just, just they get the projected voice that I would have on stage yeah. and they get complete eye contact and high status just, but warm as well. Yeah. It's a really interesting dynamic of... I think part of it is, is not just the energy of coming off stage as well. It's that you are, uh, quote unquote, a nice girl. Like you're, I'm walking or you're walking home in a nice dress or jeans or daytime clothes usually and they're used to kind of woman who would be out at two o'clock in the morning is usually out for a party night. So she'll be dressed in a particular way in the heels and the everything. Yeah, too grumpy. And so if you just look like a normal person, that's sort of appealing in a way. Approachable. Accessible. That's, I, that, I don't think that came out quite right. You know what I mean, though. It's. I think so. You look like. I mean, you've got it together. You're not on a mission. Maybe you're just moving through the world, and that can be an attractive like thing. Anomaly. You're an anomaly. Yeah, you catch people's eyes because you're not part of the normal landscape. Mm. It's not normal to see a woman out at two o'clock in the morning on her own wearing in a, a cardigan. cardigan. Angry woman. <laughs> the cardigan <laughs> is the sign of. Yeah. You know, you're not a homeless person. You're not in a miniskirt. You're not in an evening gown. And those are the only real sort of quote unquote reasons that you would be out. Yes. At that hour of night. Yeah. And so you catch homeless the eye. Homeless people do have to stay out at night. Yeah. You do. So if you're dressed as a homeless person, or if you are a homeless person, no one, you don't catch anyone's eye at night. In fact, you do the opposite. People's eyes slide past you. It's horrible. And if you're in very high heels and a very short skirt, people's eye will also pass over you because you're there with your girlfriends and you're on your way from one place to another place. If you're on your own, they might catch your eye as either a vulnerable <gasps> target or someone who needs to be protected. But if you're just dressed as a normal person, I say normal in, you know... But when I say normal, I mean daytime. Yes. Then you are an anomaly. Yes. I think my favourite response in just standard one is just, hello, I, I'm sorry, I don't want to talk to you. I hope you have a lovely night. Yeah. It's not... I get a lot of people trying to touch me and high-five and grab and... and I'll give a high five. No, I always say, no, I don't, I can't do that. And they go, why not? I go, I'm sick. <laughs> and then they go, oh. <laughs> and I never say what sort of sickness, and I'm not sick. But they, I go, oh, no, I, I don't. Well, like, why not? Why can't I have a high five? And go, I'm sick. And they go, oh, shit. Because <laughs> I've never thought that somebody might not want to be hit with their hand. And they're not sure if it's because it's going to damage me or if it's going to damage them. So I like that. I'm sorry. I'm mm. sick. That is I like good. that. My hand will fall off. Yeah. <gasps> I'm so sorry. <laughs> yes, being sick doesn't invite a lot of follow-up questions. Can either. I have $5? I'm really sick. I, um, I have, on two occasions, been given large sums of money by passing people. How large are we talking? Um, once I was busking in Europe and a guy, an American guy who was a hedge fund manager, asked for directions and I speak German so I could help him. Yeah. And then he said, ask me about my story. And I said, oh, I'm just traveling around. I've just finished my master's at Cambridge and I was trying to, you know, do the very cheap traveling thing, sleeping on the trains and stuff. 
and he said, um, uh, if I gave you money, would you find it offensive? <laughs> and I said, uh, I, d- I don't think so. If I play you a song, then it's a legitimate exchange. <laughs> and um, he said, okay, but don't look until I've gone. And he gave me 100 euros. Wow. And I was like, wow. Okay. And that good, was good song. And then one guy just threw $50 at me in the street. Were you busking at the time? No, I wasn't busking. I oh, was boy. Sitting, I was sitting outside my venue, and he said, uh, he said, what are you doing? And I said, I just finished a show. And he said, oh, what is it? And I said, oh, it's just my comedy show. This is a week ago. It's just my comedy show. You should come along. It's tomorrow, 6.15 at the Swanston Hotel. And he said, oh, cool. I can't come, but... Have this and just threw fifty dollars at me. Wow! I was like, tickets aren't that much. <laughs> I wonder if he just won the lottery that day and was just going around doing that to everyone. I don't know, but like as a form of heckle, that's uh, one I'll take. I like that. That's pretty brilliant. All right, I think we have a watermelon party to go to. I think we do. Okay. This has been fun. I don't think we had a particularly coherent line of conversation, but creepers. I think it's interesting enough to talk to. Boundaries. Yeah, boundaries, boundaries, I think. There we go. The experience of being a person in the world who does comedy and has bits. Bits and bits. Bits and pieces. All right. Uh, Thank you, Laura Davis. Uh, This probably won't go out until next Thursday. I I will. I will. Do you have a website or a thing or a podcast yeah, or a thing? Yeah, they just want? type my name into Google or they can do whatever they want with that. Davis, D-A-V-I-S, not yeah. Davies. Yeah, not Davies. Um, and uh, you have Twitter and all those things. I do. Um, are you doing the Sydney Comedy Festival or any comedy no. festivals? Okay, just look Laura up just online. Just look me up. There's no real reason except the website hits make me feel better. <laughs> Uh, and, and and Sarah, you yeah. have a website? Yeah, you can type me into Google, but all you'll get is the actress Sarah Jones, who is way more successful than I am. Hey, 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 hey. Whoa, whoa, whoa. How do we define success? Um, she's been on many TV shows, so I'm, I'm going to give her that one. Um, well, do you but actually, she yeah. might be a horrible person, I don't know. Probably. Maybe she's horrible. Um, but if you put Sarah Jones and then add ventriloquist, you'll find me. Sarah Jones, ventriloquist. One. Google it. Look these people up. If they have a show in your city, come along and Just watch it. Don't add us as Facebook. Don't friends. touch them on that the belly. Be weird. Don't rub a belly. Don't rub a belly. Write a letter, but not too long. <laughs> <laughs> Send flowers to some of us. Uh, yeah. Send flowers to some of us, but not all of us. Throw all of us money in the street. Throw all of us money in the street. Thank you for listening. You're having tea with Alice. <laughs>